The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Good morning and welcome to OPCC. It's good to see you all uh, today and uh, glad you're here. uh, You guys have heard me talk recently uh, about turning 50. Yeah, I accomplished that milestone this week. My kids got me this cool watch, and uh, I was like, man, when I put it on, and, like, it's really cool, and I can't see it, and I can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, the, my family all showed up, man, the Abby did a good job of getting them all here, and uh, I'm like, really, like, I'm not, like, there's a, I got some friends from my home church here, they've been lifelong friends for me, uh, that came up with them, my mom's here, my niece is here. Like, but both of my brothers drove up just for my birthday. Now, <laughs> if I had called and asked them to come up, they would not have come. <laughs> so Abby called them, and I was like, blown away, man. I really appreciate it. They surprised me uh, last night, uh, and so they're all here. And my oldest brother, he said, man, I'm, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to say go 49ers right before you. I said, yeah, you go ahead, bro. I'll <laughs> ask you right out of this place. Um, so it's good to have you all here today and, and thankful to, to be, uh, you know, just to be in a good spirits and think about, I was looking at the, some of the worship songs and it's always kind of cool when the Lord, we don't like line those up. I don't work with the, the worship team and go, okay, this is what I'm speaking about and what I want you to sing about. But it's so cool when what we sing about lines up with what I'm going to speak about. And I, I didn't really realize that until this morning. And so today we're, you know, we're going to talk about being shaken, and that last song had a lot to do with it. And there, there's a lot of stuff that can really um, shake people up. Uh, I, <laughs> when the, I'm just, a, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic that Ron, Ron and uh, Debbie, friends of my, mine, the, the leaders in our home church back in Oklahoma, and they're here today, and Ron was always a part of the leadership team that, that I was on, and just a part of the life of the church and watching it grow. And, and he could testify to this. Um, man, t- 10, 15 years ago, the lights not coming on and the projector being messed up like it was would have shook me up. I'd have, been, I'd have been so upset about that. I'd have been like, man, we cannot have that. And, and just, it would have, and, and man, it just doesn't bother me anymore. You know, I'm just not shaken up by things that, uh, have shaken me before, and, and there are things like little things like that that can shake us up. Man, the, the Super Bowl coming up, man, I want the Chiefs to win, and and uh, you know they they, uh, they I, I expect they will, but they may not. A lot of people, if they don't win, it's going to shake them up, man. Um, and I mean, shake them up to where it really impacts how they feel about life. Uh, and so, like we look at, like life is constantly throwing things at us. There's, there's stuff like that. And then there's, there's, there's things that are a lot more difficult, man. We, uh, man, I got a, I had a call like th- something like this. And the mechanic called me and my Denali is going to cost me two grand. And I already spent two grand on it, you know? And so that can really shake you up. I'm like, ah, be fine. We'll figure it out. Don't like it, but it shouldn't shake me up, you know, and paralyze me. I might find out that I have uh, uh, some kind of sickness. 
get a you know you get diagnosed with something and that that can tend to shake us up now I'm not saying that these things don't cause us to pause for a moment but we ought to be people who are living lives where we're unshakable and so it's it's sort of like um this this little snow globe here man like everything's going on around us and then all of a sudden man you shake that thing up now y'all aren't going to be able to see it but I can see it good and there's stuff just, man, this thing is just, can y'all see that? Isn't it pretty? I borrowed that from Caitlin. And so like everything is moving but this center object, okay? And I wish I had one that had people in it, but this one says love. And it's not moving. Like it's not being shaken. It's everything around it. And so that's, that's what we have to realize is that um, as we look at life is that things sometimes will get shaken up all around us and we need to we need to just pause and go man I'm not shaken in this it's the stuff all around me and really in the midst of it we can look at it and it can be a beautiful picture of what God is doing in our lives by keeping us unshakable um, in the midst of everything around us being shaken and so as we look at Paul and we've been, we've been, man, Paul, like, see, if you, if you study Acts, the first part of Acts is about Peter, and then there's a shift, and it starts to focus on Paul more. And it's all about the advancement of the kingdom in the early stages of the church. And so we're in this section that is about Paul, and he's been on these missionary journeys. He's completed his, uh, this last one, and he's, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And so what we will learn from Paul beginning today uh, and, and the Lord told him when he called him, you're going to suffer a lot for, for my kingdom. And he, he told him that in the beginning when he called him. He said, there's going to be a lot of suffering that goes on in your life. And so what, what we're leading up to uh, today is uh, where Paul's about to be arrested and, and he's, he's not free anymore. And so the, he'll spend the remainder of his life as a prisoner. He'll still do a lot of work for the kingdom and do a lot of work advancing the, the gospel, but things start to really spiral out of control for him uh, beginning in chapter 21, and he knows it's coming, and, and he's, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And so, like, there's this, this story, man, I, like, was looking at the scripture there and going, oh, man, how do I teach this? This thing is long. And so, fortunately for you, I just chose to do bite-sized pieces, Okay. And so we're just going to do uh, 16 verses today, and it's going to kind of set us up to what happens to Paul. And things get really bad, man. Like he's, he's about to be beaten and arrested, and, and then from there out, it, it just continues to worsen in his life. But that's kind of where we're headed for the next couple of weeks. So let's just jump in. And um, remember, he's on this journey. They're traveling. And so they've left one group, and, and it says, after we torn ourselves away, from them, we put out to sea, and this is chapter 21, and, and sailed straight to Kaz. And the next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera, and we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia and went on board and set sail. And after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. And we landed at Tyre, and um, where our ship was to unload its cargo, finding the disciples there. And this is cool, like every time Paul stops, he, he does this. He goes and he finds the disciples there. He didn't know these people. He says, finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. And through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem, Paul. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. And all the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. And after saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. 
And we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed to, at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached to Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. And he had, our, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And so they stayed there with Philip for a while. And while they were there with Philip, and he had these unmarried daughters who prophesied, none of them prophesied over him. Many uh, scholars believe that probably Luke got a lot of his source material um, from these daughters, but that they, here they are, and they're, he's, they're staying in this house. And all of a sudden, it says that um, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. This is the same Agabus that we looked at early in, in Acts that prophesied about the famine that was coming upon the people, and, and it did indeed come uh, to, to, to happen. And so uh, we look at that and we go, okay, man, what's going on here? Um, what, are these, what are these prophetesses do, and what is this prophet doing? Well, we don't have prophecy like we had uh, in, in the Bible. I've never had anybody prophesy over me. I was thinking about this this morning, and the closest thing I've had is when I first answered the call to preach, I was traveling around the state of Oklahoma. I was 23 years old. I was doing these youth camps. I was doing this really small little youth camp um, in, uh, I don't even remember where it was at. I think it was Robbers Cave State Park. And so I was preaching to the students one night, and I'll never forget this. Um, these, these two little ladies, man, they, they had to have been in their, their 80s. And after the service, um, you know, after I'd finished preaching, and they just came out for the service. And they, they came and got me after the sermon, and they pulled me aside. And they spoke, uh, they spoke over me. They didn't really, I don't think they were prophesying, uh, but they said, man, like we have been praying that the Lord, and this, I get emotional, okay? We've been praying that the Lord would raise up like some anointed preachers, and they spoke over me and said, you are anointed, you are an answer uh, to our prayer, and that, man, that brought life to me in that moment, as I knew, like, man, the Lord, and I'd read about other, um, you know, preachers where things like this had happened, it was so encouraging, but uh, so Paul's there, and he has this experience with a prophet. <laughs> it's not anything like what my experience was, and so it says that um, Agabus came down from Judea, and it says, coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, and he tied his own hands and feet, and he said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So like, Paul, Agabus asked to borrow his belt, he gives him the belt, and then he ties it up, and he prophesies, man, you're going to get arrested, and they're going to hand you over to the people that want to kill you. And when we heard this, it says, like when we heard this, and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And he says, when, we, when he would not be dissuaded... We gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and, and brought us to the home of Nason where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. 
And so Paul has this thing prophesied over him, which is not news. It is not the first time that he had heard something like this. Um, and so he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and we, and we kind of look here, and it's, it's important to understand um, why returning to Jerusalem was dangerous for Paul. So you have to go back and you have to remember that Paul used to be a part of the group that, um, remember we learned that he hated the Christians. He was trying to stop the move of Christianity. And so he was a part of the uh, group that was really like violently opposed to what was happening in the kingdom of God. And then the Lord called him. He had a divine experience with Jesus, and the Lord called him and told him he was going to make him an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he stayed in Jerusalem for a while, but they kept trying to kill him. <laughs> so the people in Jerusalem wanted to kill him, and the people who were believers were afraid of him. So now he was a believer, and the believers were afraid of him, and the people that he used to belong to wanted to kill him. And so he had to leave because it was causing tremendous persecution for the church. It was just keeping things stirred up. That's why as Paul is moving along on these missionary journeys, wherever there's some Jewish people that crop up that practice Judaism, they, they hate Paul. And so it's dangerous for him to go back because those people still exist. His reputation of, of being one who turned on them and became a follower of Jesus is still known to all of them. And so why is he committed to going back? Why wouldn't he just stay? Because it would look on the surface that he probably shouldn't go. Well, Luke doesn't tell us a lot of this in this passage of, of Scripture, but if you're reading in Corinthians and some of the other epistles that Paul writes, you'll hear him talking about them taking up a gift for the church back in Jerusalem. The church back in Jerusalem had fallen on hard times, and they, didn't have, they weren't financially as well off as the, the church in Antioch and, and all of these surrounding churches. And so there was an offering being taken up by all the Gentile believers that was going to be sent back to Jerusalem where most of the Jewish believers were. And so there, with this, there is, and we'll see this in the coming weeks, there's still this um, divisive thing going on between Jewish and Gentile Christians. And Paul continues to, he's like the catalyst that's bringing this together. It's a very important thing about our faith and, and how the, the, the kingdom of God was able to just explode in the church of Christ. And so as we look at this and we see um, uh, he, why is it so important for him to, to go is because he wanted to communicate as he brought back this gift that, look, man, the Gentiles are in this with the Jewish people. They believe your family, their spiritual family going on. And so he was committed to the call that the Lord had placed on his life to be the one that takes that financial gift back to bless the Christians in Jerusalem. And so as we, we, we kind of understand, man, why he would be so committed to doing that. But in the midst of this, man, like, things are blowing up all around him. He's not getting good news. Like, I was encouraged by what the two little ladies said over me. Um, but I'm glad they didn't ask for my belt. You know what I mean? Like, and they said, this is what's going to happen to you. And so he's got to deal with that. And it totally, it totally is uh, shaking uh, everything. This is what I want us to see. Everything and everyone, including Luke, who wrote this, because he says, uh, when we heard this, He's included. He says, when we heard this, we pleaded with him not to go. Everything and everyone around Paul was shaken up, but he was not. 
okay? And so that's what I mean by when things all around us are shaken up, we can remain unshakable. So here are, here are four observations and a big idea for you to hopefully encourage you as you feel like things around you are just, you know, going haywire. First of all, unshakable disciples know their purpose. Like if you're going to be an unshakable disciple of the Lord, and I will say this to you, not all disciples are unshakable. Not all believers are unshakable. And that's one of the important things for us to intentionally walk through discipleship is because we're trying to sure one another's foundation up because you're going to get hit with stuff that's shakable and we want to know that you are an unshakable person and why is that essential? One, for the health of you, but more importantly, for the health of the kingdom of Christ. So that as the world is looking at us as a snow globe and everything is shaken up around us, they can see that we are unshakable and want to know the reason for the hope that we have within us. And we're able to give them an answer that the Lord has made us unshakable. And so it's, it's important for us to realize that just because we can be unshakable doesn't mean that we are unshakable. It is something that we develop in the process of sanctification as we, as we become disciples who are following Jesus. Okay, so if we're not following Jesus, then we're going to be very easily shaken up. So we can believe in Jesus. I think we can even know Jesus. Okay, I think this is a good illustration here. You know, you say, I, I used to do this to my kids all the time. You, you know, pick a little baby up and you say, never shake a baby. <laughs> so obviously, you don't shake a baby. Okay, why? Because, men, it can really mess them up because they're not developed and ready to handle being shaken and jarred. It can cause traumatic brain in injury. Okay, the same is true for an infant disciple of Christ. And so, like, w when we see this, we have to realize, man, if I am an infant then, and things around me start getting shaken up, it, it can be very harmful to me in my walk and cause an incredible amount of discouragement unless I realize what is happening is that the Lord is trying to take me through the sanctification process and grow me beyond infancy. And that is, that is the problem in the American church is that it's too easy to be an infant or a child in the kingdom, or even like a teenager who's not taking the responsibility on that they should. And they're not developing into the adult that is um, functioning in the kingdom and helping things move forward. And so when we look, we go, man, unshakable disciples, the first thing they have to do is know their purpose. That's what helps us to be unshakable. Why is Paul set on going to Jerusalem regardless of what happens to him? Um, he, he, he heard the voice of the Lord. Okay, so all we have to do is we flip back one chapter to chapter 20, and we look at what we learned last week, and what does Paul say? And now, compelled by the Spirit, he says in verse 22, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me. He says, and now what? Compelled by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I don't even know what's going to happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so here we see he didn't care what happened to him. 
Paul was walking in freedom. And as we look and we see, how did he walk in freedom? How does a person walk in freedom? What do we mean by that? A person who walks in freedom knows the voice of the Lord. Now you can put this all together in the Gospels. What does Jesus say? My sheep know my voice. They hear me and they listen. Okay? And so that he, that's, that's the key to walking in freedom. It's hearing the voice of the Lord, listening, and following through with what he asks you to do. And freedom rolls out in your life. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Like all of these things are ours. How? As we listen to the voice of the Lord and he tells us what we are supposed to do, we've learned how to sit in the word and take and apply it as a, a, something that we wash ourselves in, in truth, in an objective standard of reality that is outside of myself and the culture. I apply it to my life and I listen to what it says. The Holy Spirit prompts me to different places um, and things he will show me in the scripture as I read it. They begin to like, like speak to me. And as I listen and I obey, then I can expect to produce fruit as John chapter 15 teaches me if I remain in Christ. What is the word that is used there for remain? It's the Greek word meno. It means to stay, to tarry, to hang out. So as I hang out with the Lord and listen to what he's saying to me, then the fruit will be produced in my life. Paul says, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. All of these things begin to develop in my life as I remain in the Lord, which shifts me. Now I have that which is not of the world being produced inside of me supernaturally because I'm bearing the fruit based solely off of knowing my purpose is to listen to what the Lord asked me to do. And so we look at sometimes we go, man, you, you, you're going through a very difficult situation and you go, well, somebody just says, well, I, I'm reminded of uh, the fruit of the Spirit is, is uh, peace. You say, I don't have any peace. And then a person across from you say, man, I'm reminded. And the Holy Spirit says to us that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And you just all, Ugh. And we say, why has this guy got peace and I don't have peace? Here's why. There's one reason. He has ears to hear what the Lord is saying. As soon as you got ears to hear, you have ears to hear what the Lord is saying, and you listen and follow through, you will be the one that says to the person who's all boogered up, I'm reminded that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Because you will have it. Why? Because it's being produced in you. Why? Because you're hanging out with the Lord. You're listening. You're remaining. You're tarrying. He's speaking. You're following through, and the fruit is growing in you based on what you hear from the Lord telling you to do in your life. And so this is, Paul was walking in this kind of freedom. He knew the voice of the Lord. He was confident in the Lord. And because he was confident in the Lord, he had conviction. And that conviction gave him courage to even listen in a greater detail. And so listening to the voice of the shepherd makes us unshakable. Okay? That's how we'll hear his, his purpose. Some of you have no idea what the Lord's purpose is for your life. I know exactly what the Lord's purpose is for my life. You say, well, how do you know? I'm listening. I've been listening since I was 22, and I know the Lord's purpose for my life. Does that mean I'm a perfect person? No. I've blown it multiple times in my life, but I'm listening. I'm listening to what he's asking me to do. And so my faith and my, um, my relationship with the Lord is not based on what I'm doing in my performance. It, it's based on what I'm hearing 
okay? Because when you hear from the Lord, man, you just want to follow. And so you're, if you only rely on, on, on the preaching and teaching that I do and you never do develop the ability to hear from the Lord yourself and you're relying on your relationship uh, to, to come through other people as, an, as, as opposed to coming directly from Christ, and the Lord can help you in that. Like he can help you in the midst of it. He can help other, use other people to help you listen. But if you don't ever mature beyond just another person speaking truth into your life and the Holy Spirit directly um, speaking truth and you learning how to hear from him, then what happens is you, you can get severely discouraged in your experience. And so you want to be a person who's not um, locked down in that. You're able to walk in freedom and go, man, I, I know what the Lord has for me. Okay. And so I had a young person call me last week after service and they're wrestling through a decision and wanted to seek some godly counsel. And I gave them godly counsel. But as I gave them the counsel that I was making observations about their life, where we landed at is, man, you got to keep sitting with the Lord because only you can know what the Lord wants you to do. I can encourage you and tell you whether I see that you're approaching this with wisdom and listening to the Lord or telling you that I don't think you are listening to the Lord at all, but I can't tell you what the Lord is saying. Because only you can hear what the Lord is saying to you. And I don't hear you doing anything to compromise the word or wanting to be rebellious or disobedient. So you got to keep walking this out and just keep seeing and hearing what the Lord wants for you in this moment. And he will show you um, his purpose. And, and listening to the voice of the shepherd makes us unshakable. Here's the second thing. Unshakable disciples cannot be diverted. <laughs> they just aren't diverted. It seems odd to me as I read this, and it's, a, it's very troubling at first, that other believers are telling him not to go, but he goes anyway. Did you see this? Like, Man, don't go, Paul. It, it happens two times for him. He's facing threats of persecution, and he's being counseled by godly people who have the spirit not to go, but he goes. Why? Because their intentions were pure, but their interpretation was not. They were thinking, you know, this is a fascinating thing if you ever want to look at this. If you watch how Luke writes about this, it is the same model that the, the gospel writers use to write about how Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. Like, what did Peter say? You're never going to do that, Lord. That isn't going to happen to you. Right after he's proclaimed that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus asked him, who, who, who do you say that I am? He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, that's right, Peter. Like flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. That came, you just heard from the voice of the Lord, man. That's what Jesus was telling Peter in that. And then Peter immediately, though he has, he has heard from the voice of the Lord, he can hear through the Spirit. He immediately hears the Lord say that he's going to go up to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer and die. And, and Peter's like, never, far be it from me. That's not going to happen to you. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Okay? So he, there, he, Peter's intention in that moment was right, but his interpretation was wrong. And so that's what's going on here in, in, this, in this moment. And so uh, the Holy, here, here's, this is really important for us. The Holy Spirit was not trying to keep Paul from going, people were. And people can never play the role of the Holy Spirit. Like, I can, I can guide you, I can show you scripture, but ultimately, I can never speak for the Holy Spirit. 
I can speak through the influence of the Holy Spirit, but I can't speak for the Holy Spirit into your life because I'm not God. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. He's the third person of the Trinity, and he speaks to us. And so um, Paul was keenly aware of what the Spirit had said to him, and he was understanding the humanity of people, and he realized that, that, that as, as he had, like Paul had never not listened to the Holy Spirit, and we, we go, well, how do we know he was, he was right and the other people were wrong? Because Luke doesn't say that Paul missed it there. He's obviously pointing out that we missed it. Because Paul goes on and we see the fruit of his life is even we're talking about him today and how much he encourages us. And so we should seek counsel from others. We should, that's a wise thing to do. But never above the Holy Spirit. And if you say, well, I don't know how, I don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we would say to you as a ministry, we are committed to discipleship, not just meeting together for fellowship. And that's, you know, as a smaller ministry trying to be really intentional with this, we believe the church has got it wrong for years. We believe the church has got it wrong and they've raised up. And I say the church, I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church universal. Like I look back at the uh, first part of my ministry and the Lord worked mightily in it, okay? But there were things that I missed and it was this piece right here. We're raising up infants, children, and teenagers and not disciples of the Lord who know how to hear from him. And so what happens is all of the information, all of the information from heaven is coming to the, the pastor and the staff. And, the, and all of the body is, is waiting on the pastor and staff to say this is where we're to go. Now, I'm not saying that the pastor and the staff, the elders of any church don't have a role to play. They do, certainly. But we ought not be the only ones the Holy Spirit is speaking to. If we do, if we are, we've got a problem in our church. It's way too immature. And so we walk this out in discipleship, trying to make sure that we're intentional about developing people so they can, they can hear the voice of the Lord and they can walk in obedience. And we have ministers of the gospel everywhere. That's what we're supposed to have. Nowhere in the New Testament are you going to read through it and say, see that the only people who are supposed to be ministers of the gospel are the people who are leading the churches. No, we're all, anybody who is a believer in Jesus is a minister of the gospel. We're all ministers. That's why we believe in the, what Peter taught about the, the priesthood of the believer. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. As the Lord lives inside of us, he leads us and helps us to minister for the sake of the gospel. So nothing was going to stop Paul from obeying the voice of the Lord. And so in this takeaway, in this observation, we see that obedience makes us unshakable. And so uh, knowing our purpose, not being um, uh, diverted and consistently obeying the Lord makes us unshakable people. Here's the third um, observation. Unshakable disciples pay any price. It doesn't matter what it is. He had threats uh, 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 from the, the people back in Jerusalem and now he had prophecy of persecution that shook everyone up, but not Paul. And, and he says to them, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Already what he's doing, he's, he's like, the, the, what happens is, man, the Agabus gets up, he takes his belt, he says, whatever happens to this guy, man, like whoever owns this belt is going to be arrested and turned over to the Gentiles. It's not going to be good for them. And everybody's like, oh, Paul, don't go. And so they're all saying, man, Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go. And, and, and Paul is like, bros, 
This is already hard enough. I need you to get with me on this. This is what the Lord has asked me to do. And so like what, what we see is unshakable people don't care what it's going to cost them. They are not afraid of sacrifice. He had a call on his life and that gave him purpose. And so what we see in Paul is he is willing to leave all to heed the call that the Lord had placed on his life. Sacrifice makes us unshakable. Now, I went up the mountain with a few guys this past Friday we, with some other disciple makers here in the city. And up the mountain means you stay up really late in prayer, in intentional prayer, trying to listen to the Lord. And, I, man, the Lord, I'm still working this out, but I, uh, the Lord spoke to me, gave me a word out of, uh, out of the minor prophets. I think it was out of, out of Joel, the prophet Joel. And, and, and the Lord said um, to the people, he said, rend your heart and not your garments. Now, the word rend, in, in the New Testament, we see when, when they asked Jesus who he was, and he, admit, he, didn't, he, did, he, he admitted that he was, he was the Messiah, what the high priest do? He rent his garment. He tore it. And he said, blasphemy. Okay, so this is what in the Old Testament Mosaic law they were taught to do. And here the prophet Joel, God is speaking a word, and he says, rend your hearts, not your garment. And so to, to rend your garment is to tear it, okay? And so it would be the equivalent of if I took my shirt, and I won't do this for you guys today, but, and I just ripped the top of it, okay, and just ripped the, ripped the buttons right off of it. And they would rip it, man, and, and the Lord said, rend your heart. So I said, how does like I was sitting with the Lord Friday, I was like, how do I do that? Like, how do I, how do I tear my heart up for you, Lord? And I, I, I just could not, I could not reconcile that in my mind, but the, the longer, and I'm still processing it, but I, here's what I saw um, finally a day or so later, is that I didn't really want to take the time to go over and spend a few hours in prayer, Right? What would I have rather done? Sat in my recliner and watched a movie. Bowl. Yeah? What? Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, go bowling, man. That's what I'd have liked to have done. And so I'd have liked to have done something like that. But I didn't. I intentionally made the decision to go over and spend time with these brothers and to do this. And, and so what I did in that moment was rent my heart. Because I made a sacrifice out of my time of not doing something that I really, in my heart of flesh, wanted to do. And I tore it and did something that would help me in the kingdom. And so when, when we see unshakable people, they know how to do that. They know how to do it with their time. They know how to do it with their talents. And they know how to do it with their treasure. Because that's as when, we wrap up our, when we wrap up those three categories, that's really who we are. That's the makeup of the things that are important to us is the amount of life we have to live, the way that we're gifted and the things that we like to do and the resources that we have to do them. And so we rend that, man. We, we tear that for the Lord and the Lord moves in the midst of it and we're willing to sacrifice and that makes us unshakable. And, and here's the cool thing is that the more that you learn how to sacrifice, the more that you learn you cannot outgive God. And so I told uh, I told somebody, um, I know we were talking when we first got there. I don't remember who it was, if it was Jason or Mike or who. But I, I was like, um, yeah, I, I, we were talking about how men, this, they, they were saying, man, I'm already past my bedtime. <laughs> We'd just gotten there. Uh, and, and so I said, you know, I find when I do things like this that 
I, the Lord, like if I stayed up and watched a movie or went bowling, I would be dragging all the next day. But if I do something like this, it seems like that I'm energized the next day. And that was exactly the case. I had less sleep, but I slept really, really good. And I just woke up feeling great. And that's the whole um, uh, 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 process of realizing that we cannot outgive God. And here's the last one. Unshakable disciples motivate others. And it says here that at, they're trying to talk him out, uh, out of going to Jerusalem. And it says in verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. And after this, we got ready and went to Jerusalem. And so Paul could not be dissuaded, so the shaken up people around him got back on track. And that's the same thing that happened in Jesus. Like he would not be dissuaded. It says that he set his face like a flint um, toward Jerusalem. And he went on and they followed after him, even though they didn't want to go. If you remember, they said, man, we don't want to go back to Jerusalem. They'll kill us there. But Jesus didn't let it dissuade him. Paul does not let it dissuade him. And so uh, what happens is the people are motivated. And they say, the Lord's will be done. They got up and they went. And when, unsha- when people, when we are unshakable, so will the people around us. Okay? In other words, so I go back to the illustration of the lights not coming on uh, at the beginning of the service. And I get all shooken up about that. Shaken up, shooken up, whatever you say. If I get like out of kilter there, and then like, man, Dan, like then Dan's going to get all boogered. And then um, Landon, he's already boogered back there. You can tell by looking at him. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and so like you just, it just spreads. It just starts shaking everybody out. Up, but if we could just remain, if we realize, man, things are not shaking us up. No, look, go, man, I'm not shaking up. That's, I think we look back. Um, uh, the the Lord has given us this great leader, Andy Reid. Amen? Amen. And he doesn't get shaken up. He seems to not. And I think it's good for the players. And so, like in all of these things in life, we can see that whenever we're able to remain solid on that foundation, it helps the people around us. And so as life is going to continue to throw things up, uh, all, up all around us, the, the key uh, is, is to listen to the Lord. And so here's the big idea for you. The longer you listen, the more unshakable you become. The longer you listen to what the Lord is saying and the more that you follow through in obedience, um, the more unshakable you, you become. You can, you can shake up my environment now, but I'm not... Um, shakable. I'm unshakable. And so we, we want to be courageous with our convictions, and we'll find that we become people who are unshakable. You know, I, uh, Kevin, you can go ahead and come on up and get ready. We're, we're going to land this thing. But, but I, there are a lot of things I don't like about turning 50. But man, there are a lot of things I really like. And I look back, and, and one of the reasons I really, what I really like is I look back, man, I've got 30 years of passionately following Jesus. And it just made me more unshakable. Why? Is it because I'm, I'm a good person? No, it's because I've just seen the faithfulness of the Lord over and over and over and over. And so when something happens, man, um, I don't get too shaken up about it. Somebody leaves the church and that happens. And it, you know, it used to just shake me up a lot more than it does now. It still bothers me, but I know, man, this is, this is just the way that it, it goes. 
And I've seen the Lord too many times if a person decides to leave, usually four families follow and come and take their spot. Like the Lord just, he brings more people. I don't know how that works, uh, but it does. And so those of you thinking, well, maybe I should leave to help the church. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but there, there are a lot of things like that, man. It's just, you, you just look and you go, man, the Lord has taken care of me all of these years. And so I look and I go, man, I, uh, it's good. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to just, just have all of that experience of hearing his voice and seeing him take care of me that just made me much more, it just made me unshakable. Um, and so as I say that, I'm not saying that uh, about me. It's not really about J- Jimmy. That's about Jesus in me. He's just taught me that. And so I want to encourage you uh, to look at these things and go, man, I, there's a, there's a, this, this is, it's good for me to know my purpose. It's good for me to uh, not be diverted by what everybody else is saying and, and hear the voice of the Lord and be willing to sacrifice and pay any price and, and, and listen. And man, you'll see the Lord just starts establishing you and you'll be more and more encouraged the more you do it. The, the first, the first you know, few, thi- few times, it's, it's scary. But then when you see them, it starts getting really exciting. And so just think about these and go, man, you know, what, is, what is the Lord saying to me in the midst of all of this? Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.